and welcome to Sign of the Crime. This is Remy Ramirez. This is Q McGrath. I don't know why I said it like that. This is Remy Ramirez. <laughs> anyway. You're trying out for radio. <laughs> this Am is I? your audition. Oh, yeah. wow. That's so sad for me then. <laughs> <laughs> um, how, how are you? What's up with you? Uh, it's pretty good. My birthday's in a couple of days. I know. Yeah. So I've got that going on. Um, and it's, it's your big angel number year. Oh, is it? I didn't even think about that. It is. Yeah. Well, isn't 44. your angel? Yeah, but I thought your angel number year was the day you were born. So technically that'd be 55 for me, wouldn't it? I got 11 more years to go. I'm just saying 44 is like a sure. V. Uh, you know what? I'm going to take us- it. Yeah, I'm going to take it. My Pluto moves out of Capricorn, my sun sign this year. Fuck yeah, which is in my house of health. Really need that shit to start moving on out into yeah. Aquarius, no less. Yeah, it should be entertaining, but mostly Every- for me, it should be great. This year coming up is really fucking wild with Pluto. The month in March, the month that Pluto moves out of Capricorn and into Aquarius is the same month, March, that Saturn moves out of Aquarius and into Pisces. So like these, you know, Pluto moves every like 15 to 20 years, whatever it is. And uh, Saturn is like every, you know, two and a half, three years. So these are like big shifts. And that Pluto into Aquarius is fucking crazy. And I am so stoked to hear for it. Fuck out of Capricorn. Let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm a Capricorn. I love Capricorn shit. You know what I don't love? I don't love Pluto in my sun sign. Yeah. <laughs> don't love Pluto in my sun sign. When uh, Pluto and Scorpio is in my house of health. Don't like that. Want to kick that shit in the nuts? Like, just get you the fuck out. It's time. It's time for you to go. You have overstayed your welcome. Yeah. I, I have learned all the karmic lessons. I'm good. I just need you to move on out. Move on I out. love that's like the most Capricorn. I have learned all the karmic lessons. All I, of them. Mine, have... other people's. I'm all set. I'm fucking done. I probably haven't, but I'm still all set. Like, I, well, let me put it to you this way. I, I, I can't take any more karmic lessons. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, there's a difference. I can tell you for a fact that you have not learned all the karmic lessons and you but are I fucking- But I am satiated. Yeah. I am full up. If I'm We're a good. sponge, I'm dripping. Like, I'm We're not good. at this point. Let me put it to you this way. I am no longer receiving karmic lessons. I, they're bouncing <laughs> off me at this point. I don't have any room for them. I'm just sitting here with my wine yeah. and my tears. You you are sitting there with your wine. I am. I am metaphorically and actually because the kids go back to school on Thursday. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just whatever gets you through. Whatever gets you through having to get up early in the morning. I hate it so much. I've considered homeschooling just so I don't have to get up in the morning. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's how, how bad it. it is. That's how much I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I considered not having kids so I could not get up in the morning. I and thought then, about uh... that too. I thought about that too. <laughs> I did. I did consider that, but I fell in love with a man who was like super into that shit. Which, he was. Yeah. I like there once I, once I made that decision and I did weigh that um, for a minute, I was like, Oh, this one means kids. <laughs> yeah. He's not fucking around with the babies. Yeah, absolutely not. And I know he's fertile. I was like, I remember accepting the ring being like, maybe I'm infertile. We'll see. I wasn't. I'm Mexican. I'm not. Fingers crossed. I, Mexican women can be infertile. No, they so absolutely you know. can. But uh, not in our family. <laughs> My experience. Not on our side. Yeah. Nope. We're all good. We're all set. As, and speaking of um, absolutely nothing that has anything to do with that. We are talking about Selena this week. We are. Uh, well, she's Mexican, so it was oh, a good segue. Look at, oh, yeah, look at segue. Look at us go. Look at us go. She's Mexican. She's, well, she's she's Chicana. She's Mexican American. Yes, I was gonna say no. She's actually Mexican American. Like people say all the time, they're like they're brown. I'm like she's from Peru. Like <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> or yeah, they'll be like she's Mexican. I'm like she's from Chile. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's actually costa rican and then my favorite is when people like it's the same thing i'm like it's not it's It's like uh no it's absolutely not it's like when i uh yeah fuck them it's like when i moved to uh puerto rico i was like i'm moving to puerto rico and everyone was like oh my god i love costa rica 
You fucking idiots. Or Mexico. The number of people that for me think that Mexico and Puerto Rico are basically the same thing or the number of grown ass adults who will tell me that Puerto Rico is in Mexico. And then I have to literally pull up Google and be like, no, that is not the same thing. And here's a big giveaway for you. Puerto Rico is technically part of the United States. And that's how you know it's not in Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) Little reading rainbow, the more you know. God damn it. Wow. People are stupid. Anyway. Okay. So you want to talk about Selena? Let's, let's please talk about Selena. I'm okay. God, did you watch, did you watch the um, series? I think it was on Netflix came out like, oh no, I haven't watched it yet. Oh my God. I cried so hard at the end. And then I immediately went onto eBay and bought black fringe cowboy boots. Yeah. Remy's like murder. Let's make it fashion. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hundred percent. That is correct. Okay, so uh, Selena Quintanilla was born on April sixteenth, nineteen seventy one. So she's an Aries, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Lake Jackson, Texas. Uh, which you know, Aries that checks out for her. I feel she was the youngest child of Mar Marcella or Marcella. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Go either way in the Mexican culture. So Marcella or Marcella, Ophelia Quintanilla, and Abraham Quintanilla Jr., uh, a Mexican American. And he was a former musician. Side note, the OBGYN at her birth was future House of Representatives member and certified asshat Ron Paul. So, you know, oh. yeah, success was in the stars. Selena was raised as a Jehovah's Witness, which have, I did yeah, not know that doesn't have anything to do with her murder, but I didn't know it. And it shocked the shit out of me. So I'm telling y'all. Yeah. Wait, her dad and yes. her parents. Oh, my God. Yes. Weird. Her dad noticed her musical abilities when she was six. And as he told People Magazine, her timing, her pitch was perfect. I could see it from day one. In 1980, in Lake Jackson, Abraham opened his first Tex-Mex restaurant, Papagayo's, where Selena and her siblings, Abraham III and Suzette, would often perform. When the restaurant, restaurant closed the following year after a recession caused by the 1980s oil glut, the family was forced to declare bankruptcy and they were evicted from their home. Mm. Yeah undeterred abraham and marcella marcella i don't know uh settled in corpus christi and oh that's in texas for those of you who don't know and abraham became manager of the reorganized band selena y los dinos and began promotions of that band and there was a lot of pressure for the band to succeed and consequently on selena because the family was most definitely in dire financial straits they needed money and consequently they worked a lot they played wherever they could on street corners, weddings, quinceañeras, fairs, whatever was available, wherever they might make a buck. And it worked. Uh, Selena was a talented singer, and the band picked up more and more gigs as the years went by, and those gigs became more prestigious and better paid. As her popularity as a singer grew, the demands of Selena's performance and travel schedule began to interfere with her education, so her father took her out of school when she was in the eighth grade. This decision was not without controversy and detractors. Her teacher, Marilyn Greer, disapproved of Selena's musical career and most definitely disapproved of her dad's decision to curtail her formal education in favor of a singing career. Um, And that she wasn't alone in that. More than a few of Selena's teachers expressed concern about Selena's hectic work schedule and argued that she was constantly tired and distracted and that what her family was asking of her was too much for a child. I mean, yeah, yeah, yes. Also, I did not know. Wait, did she go back to school after that? Sorry. I'm going to tell you. You'll get there. How this pans out. Yeah. So Greer threatened to report Abraham to the Texas Board of Education, believing the conditions to which Selena was being exposed were inappropriate for a 12 year old girl. As I said, fact is, Greer probably wasn't wrong. And there's a lot of info out there about whether or not Selena herself wanted. Isn't a lot of info out there about whether Selena herself wanted to stop attending school. Uh, But she did become an advocate for education, and in the early 90s, she became the face of the University of Texas Migrant Student Program Awareness Campaign. So there's that. Um, she never she never openly said that she didn't like that she was pulled out of school, but my guess is that she probably had some reservations about it herself. Pure conjecture. Abraham had no hesitation about what Selena needed to be doing, and he told Greer essentially to fuck herself and to mind her own business. Uh, so Selena did continue her education. And at 17, she earned a high school diploma from the American School of Correspondence in Chicago. And she was accepted at Louisiana State University. She ended up enrolling at Pacific Western University as a correspondence student, which is basically, you know, an online student is what we call it now, taking up business administration as her major. 
even teenage Selena knew that she planned to diversify her empire and she wanted to be prepared. I, and I'll tell you what, bitch knew what she was up. Like she did in her very few years, this girl accomplished so much. So back in the 1980s, Abraham refurbished an old bus that he named Big Bertha and the Quintanillas used it as their tour bus. In the first few years of touring, the family barely made ends meet and shit was rough. In 1984, Selena recorded her first LP record, Selena y los Dinos, for Freddie Records. Selena was adamant that she wanted to record English language songs, but Abraham felt that the band would have greater success in the Tejano genre. For those who don't know, Tejano is a music described as Mexican Spanish-styled vocals with polka or waltz-style dance rhythms, which I find delightful. I didn't know that polka was involved. <laughs> but then I listened to a bunch of it, and I was like, this actually checks out. Well, that's because you didn't spend every summer at grandma's house, but that grandma correct. would play yeah. Tejano in the in the kitchen every morning when she cooked. It well, was like... when I, I was listening to it. I listened to some Selena songs because I knew who she was. And of course, everyone, once she died, I remember the press coverage. Um, but mostly because when well, I'll get into this a little bit, but when she when she died, what came out right afterwards was the English language um, album that she was working on. So that was what got really popular in pop music. But she had a bunch of hits in Tejano music prior to that. And beedy, they beedy, are boom, boom. Yes. And they are beedy, fun. Beedy. So good. <laughs> oh, my God. So fun. Como la flor. Con tanto amor. She's so good. Yeah, it, they were. I, I totally get it now. As an adult, I'm like, I could cling to this, you know, oh, as yeah. a Capricorn. I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah, this she's is, a goddess. It slaps. Okay, so Selena recorded Tejano music compositions. And to be honest, that was a pretty ballsy move because Tejano music was and is traditionally a male-dominated genre. But Abraham was insistent that Selena should record musical compositions related to her heritage. One small issue... Selena did not speak Spanish fluently. So during the recording sessions for the albums, she had to learn Spanish phonetically with guidance from her dad. In 1985, to promote her album, Selena appeared on the Johnny Canales show, which was a popular Spanish language radio program, and she continued to appear on that show for several years. Her popularity grew, as did her exposure, and within just a few years, Selena was discovered by musician Rudy Trevino, founder of the Tejano Music Awards, where she won the Female Vocalist of the Year, award in 1987 and for nine consecutive years thereafter uh, honestly Whoa, the, really yeah the significance of this really can't be overstated she was 15 when she won that first award um she was a woman she wasn't a fluish a fluent spanish speaker and she was dominating that genre against literally every odd do you remember i sent you the picture of her from and that yeah. was that was actually where she looked like I was like who did that to you? The hair, the hair was not good. The, well, it was to her credit. It's like 1987 when that picture was taken, but clearly she her style developed. There were a lot of uh, questionable <laughs> curls happening. <laughs> I was like, actually, it looked like your hair when you were like four. <laughs> so yes. I felt about it. it I was like, absolutely looked like my hair when I was four. Well, she went up there and she made a speech. And honestly, she was so she was like 15. She was so self-possessed. And she was like, and I want to thank uh, Los Dinos, my band. Without them, I'd be nothing. She's like, when they succeed, uh, I'm I'm with them. And when they don't succeed, I don't know them. And then she winked and walked off. And I'm like, damn, girl. I was like, you're fucking 15. Good for you. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Amazing. So nevertheless, despite all of this success that they're receiving, the band is frequently turned down by Texas music venues because of the members' young ages and because Selena, a woman, was their lead singer. Additionally, Rude. yeah, yeah. Additionally, Abraham, in his position as the band's manager, was often told by promoters that Selena would never be successful because she was a woman and the Texas music genre has always been historically dominated by dudes. So, Okay. Uh, by 1988, Selena had released five more LPs and she was starting to garner the kind of attention of uh, she was starting to garner the attention of music executives beyond the Tejano music scene. It did not help that she was, I mean, hurt that she was a gorgeous. Uh, so, yeah, she was no. a fucking knockout. She was a fox, dude. I was like, I'm mostly straight. <laughs> like, damn, <laughs> look at her. Uh, in 1989, Jose Behar of the recently formed label EMI Latin Records, together with the new head of Sony Music Latin, watched Selena perform at the Tejano Music Awards, and he was immediately interested. Behar was searching for new Latin acts and wanted to sign Selena to EMI's label Capital Records. At the same time, Sony Music Latin offered Abraham twice Capital's signing fee for the opportunity to represent Selena. 
Behar was very open about the fact that he thought that he had discovered the next Gloria Estefan. Um, but his superior, the guy above him, was pretty skeptical about that possibility because Behar had been in South Texas less than a week. And, you know, he was like, what are the odds that like you just he was like, you're just starstruck. You ran into a hot girl and you're like, OK, she's the next to Gloria Estefan. Um, ultimately, Abraham chose EMI's Latin offer because of EMI Latin's offer because of the potential for a crossover album and because he thought it was significant that his children would be the first musicians to sign to the label. Before Selena began recording her debut album, Behar and music executive Stephen Finfer requested a crossover album for her. She recorded three English language songs for the heads of EMI's pop division, but the request for a crossover album was denied and Selena was told she needed a bigger fan base, a bigger, a bigger fan base in order to sell that kind of an album. And she was like, okay, hold my beer. So Selena released her self-titled debut album on October 17th, 1989. The singer recorded most of the songs at Amen Studios in San Antonio, Texas, and her brother, uh, A.B., became Selena's principal record producer and songwriter for most of her musical career. The album peaked at number seven on the U.S. Billboard Regional Mexican Albums chart. I did not know that was a thing, but it is. Uh, and that became Selena's first recording to debut on a national music chart. That same year, Coca-Cola Music wanted Selena to become one of their spokespeople in Texas, and the jingle used in her first two commercials for the company was composed by her brother and by a guy named Chris Perez, the latter of whom, the latter of whom, why do I keep saying Hume? Because you've had a lot of port. <laughs> Not enough. The latter of whom was a musician who had joined Selena y Los Dinos several months earlier as the band's new guitarist. Chris... <laughs> you know what's coming began having mm. romantic feelings for selena because frankly who wouldn't yeah. uh, she was a certified body but he had a girlfriend in san antonio so he decided it would be best for them to distance themselves that didn't work out They're on a bus um and it turns out that selena was into him too so they revealed their feelings for each other at the most romantic spot texas has to offer which is of course a pizza hut and shortly afterwards they became a couple they decided to keep their relationship on the down low, however, featuring fearing Selena's dad would try to break them up, which was actually pretty well founded. Um, <laughs> Selena released her second studio album, Ven, Ven Conmigo. I don't speak Spanish. Ven Conmigo? Ven Conmigo. Ven Conmigo. In September 1990, three tracks from Ven Conmigo were released as singles. Ya ves? La Tracalera? Tracalera? T-R-A-C-A-L-E-R-A? Tracalera? Uh, and Baila Esta Cumbia, my Spanish teacher is Baila like, Baila Esta wrong? Cumbia. There we go. Baila Esta Cumbia. I have like the foundation for the accent, but you know, I haven't done, I haven't done the legwork. It's because so, it's because you missed all those Tejano mornings. I'm right. What can I, I wouldn't say I missed them. <laughs> <laughs> you I'm opted, not one for Texas heat. So. You, you opted out. Yeah. Uh, the latter, a Tejano Cumbia song, became one of Selena's most popular singles. Its popularity particularly grew in Mexico, where Selena was rat rapidly reaching icon status. This is around the time that registered nurse and Selena fan Yolanda Saldivar asked Abraham for permission to start a Selena fan club in San Antonio. Let me just T.O. and say I didn't put this together at first because I forgot that she was a nurse, but she's a Virgo, Yolanda, and like... That is the Ooh. that is the quintessential Virgo profession is being a nurse. Yeah, and when that goes wrong, yikes! Um, yikes! <laughs> oh yeah, yikes! Yikes! Yolanda had the idea after she attended one of Selena's concerts and was unable to purchase any merchandise afterwards, and thought that was a crying shame. So Abraham approved Yolanda's request. He quite correctly believed a fan club would bring more exposure for the band. Yolanda ingratiated herself to the Quintanilla family and quickly became a close friend to, to Selena. She was trusted by the Quintanillas and became the acting president of the fan club in 1991. A duet Selena recorded with another Tejano singer called Buenos Amigos peaked at number one on the U.S. Billboard Top Latin Songs in 1991, giving Selena her first number one single. The song's music video earned Selena two nominations in the 1992 Billboard Music Awards, and the track was also nominated for Duo of the Year at the 1992 Tejano Music Awards. Selena biographer Deborah pa Parades, it's a name, what? so but Parades? I feel like Parades. Yes. How do you spell it? 
P-A-R-E with one of the little things over the top, D-E-S, D-E-Z, sorry. Paredes. Paredes, okay. Wrote that the track opened up new doors for Selena, including the opportunity to tour all over the all over the U.S. According to John Lannert of Billboard magazine, Buenos Amigos was helped by increased airplay on regional Mexican and Tejano radio stations, which had previously dismissed Selena's recordings. I will give you one guess why. Yeah. If it if it's because if you think it's her vagina, you would be correct. So it's because of the vagina. It's the vagina that's a problem. If you could just <laughs> not with the vagina so much. If you could just not. <laughs> so it's around this time that Selena's sister Suzette caught Selena and Chris, let's say flirting with each other. That's what we tell kids. That's what you tell your children. They were mm-hmm. just flirting. They were flirting. And she immediately love each other very much. They, they, they just, flirt, they flirt, <laughs> they flirt a lot. Uh, so she immediately ran to daddy with that info. And Abraham did exactly what Selena thought he was going to do. He hauled Chris off the bus tour and forcefully told him his relationship with Selena was over. However, Selena was a grown ass adult at that point, And she did what grown ass adults do in this situation. She ignored her dad. <laughs> And continued dating Chris, despite her dad's disapproval. Selena's mother approved of their relationship, which, as we all know, means no one cares what dad thinks at that point. So when Abraham sees that Selena and Chris romantically keep romantically interacting on the bus after he had already expressed his disapproval, which honestly, like, OK, that's one choice to make. <laughs> like, Yeah, I guess you could just let him know when the giant fuck you that you're not going to listen to him. So he he sees it at some point. Pulls the truck over, has a huge argument with Selena. He called Chris a cancer in my family. And then he threatens to disband the group if they continue their relationship. So in other words, he has a full-on hissy fit. I'd love to know his sign. Oh, yeah. Selena and Chris ostensibly give in. Abraham fires Chris from the band and forcibly stops Selena from leaving with him. After his dismissal, Chris and Selena secretly continue their relationship because, of course, they did. And then on the morning of April 2nd, 1992, Selena and Chris said, fuck all this shit and eloped, convinced that Abraham was never going to approve of their relationship no matter what they did. But believing that they would that the family, but basically Abraham would have to accept them if they were married. So they're planning to sit everyone in the family down and tell them about the marriage in a few days. But what they didn't count on was that marriage certificates are public records. And within hours of their marriage, the media announced the couple's elopement. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> this is all very telenovela. So Selena's family is desperately trying to find her to no avail. Abraham did not take the news well. He's refusing to talk to anyone, basically shuts himself off. So the hissy fit continues. So it's real mature. Super mature. Yeah. Uh, Selena and Chris move into an apartment in Corpus Christi, and they settled into life as a married couple. In later interviews, Abraham said that he had trouble with the marriage because he feared that that Chris could be a machista, a Spanish for a male chauvinist, who would force Selena to end her music career, which is a bit rich considering he threatened to make up the brand if Selena didn't know what he said. So I'm like, okay, this sort of sounds like maybe you're just mad she's not doing what you're telling her to do. This sort of sounds like the kettle and the pot having an issue. Yeah. All that. So Abraham eventually apologized to Chris. He accepted the marriage and he took Chris back into the band. He didn't really have a choice at that point. It's your son-in-law, but you know. Uh, a month after her elopement, Selena re- released her... Oh, wait, I just want to say, Aries eloping feels very on brand. <laughs> mm. I just feel like an Aries being like, oh, you don't like him? Guess what? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then marrying him. And I'm saying that because I have an Aries daughter. <laughs> It's absolutely something I can see her doing. So you're going to fuck off and I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. How do you feel about that? (laughs) Yeah. All right. So Selena releases her third studio album. God damn all these Spanish words. Entre a mi mundo. Yeah. Entre a mi mundo. Okay. I did it right. Come come into my world. Okay. It sounds dirtier than that, but all right. Uh, (laughs) In May of 1992. The album was critically acclaimed as her breakthrough album. The recording peaked at number one on the U.S. Billboard Regional Mexican Albums charts for eight consecutive months, and it was certified 10 times platinum in the USA, while in Mexico, the album sold 385 units. 385? Mm -hmm, 385,000. Oh, which is a lot. I mean, she was bigger in the U.S. than she was in, in Mexico, that's for sure. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, Entre a mi mundo became the first Tejano album by a female artist to sell over 300,000 copies. Oh, Selena really? was, yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. We're a little racist here. <laughs> so, you know. Wait, but I thought you said it did better here than in Mexico. It, it did. It did. Yeah. What? But she wasn't a Mexican artist. So, and she didn't speak fluent Spanish, which is why they thought they were going to have trouble with her in Mexico. But here, I mean, it did better here. If she had been a Mexican artist selling, I mean, I, there, I'm sure there are artists in Mexico selling considerably more, you know, um, but I just, but you said she was an icon in Mexico. She was starting to reach iconic status. That's why she sold 385,000 units. Wow. I feel like that is like, barely As, and you have to remember vagina. I guess, man. Yeah. I mean, Ouch. not a lot of not a lot of Tejano ladies out there doing what Selena was doing. Okay. So Selena was booked to play at several concerts throughout Mexico, including a performance at Festival Acapulco, sign me up, uh, in May nineteen ninety three, which garnered her critical acclaim. Her performance in Nuevo Leon in September on September seventeenth, nineteen ninety three was attended by seventy thousand people, earning her the title of the biggest Tejano act in Mexico. The album produced four singles, one you were just singing, Como la Flor, uh, Que Crees? Que Crees. Que Crees. What does that mean? It's a question, right? Yeah. What do you think? Mm. Uh, la, la Caricha? I don't know what, I don't know what Caricha means. C-A-R. Oh, no, I'm not pronouncing that correctly. That's why. C-A-R-C-A. La, la car Carcha? That sounds uh, right. C-A-R-C-A-C-H-A. I don't know what that means. I don't know either. La carcacha. La carcacha? I don't know. And uh, amame. I have. I mean. Amame, right? Yeah. Yes. What does that amame. mean? Amame. Love me. Oh, cute. Yeah. Okay. Como la flor became Selena's signature recording. It was critically acclaimed by music critics as a career launcher for Selena. Como la flor helped Selena to dominate the Latin music charts and become immensely popular in Mexico, which was unusual because Mexican-Americans were generally not well-liked among Mexican citizens. Yeah. Mm. The album was also well received by critics. The track was nominated for Song of the Year at the 1993 Tejano Music Awards and peaked at number six on the U.S. Billboard's top Latin songs charts. In 1994, Entre a Mi Mundo ranked as the second best selling regional music, regional Mexican album of all time. Selena released Live, exclamation point, that was the name of the album. A year after Entre a Mi Mundo, it was recorded during a free concert at the Memorial Coliseum in Corpus Christi on February 7th, 1993. And in May 1994, Live was named Album of the Year by the Billboard Latin Music Awards. At the 1994 Tejano Music Awards, Live won Album of the Year. And the 1994 Lo Nuestro Awards, it was nominated for Regional Mexican Album of the Year. Live was certified gold in the U.S. and in Mexico, it sold 250,000 units. So Selena's musical career is thriving, soaring. She also briefly appeared opposite Erica Eric Estrada in a Mexican telenovela, which opened up the very real possibility of a career in television. Mm -hmm. In 1995, she entered negotiations to star in another telenovela produced by Emilio La Rosa. She appeared in two episodes, which earned record ratings for the series. In 1994, Selena began designing and ma manufacturing a line of clothing, and she subsequently opened two boutiques called Selena Etc., one in Corpus Christi and another in San Antonio. And she was promoting her fashion line. She held two fashion shows to so showcase her boutique's clothing line, and Selena y los Dinos held a concert after Selena Etc.'s fashion show on December 3rd, 1994 at the Hemisphere Arena in San Antonio. She was in negotiations to open more stores in Monterey, Mexico and Puerto Rico, and she strongly felt that she needed a Spanish-speaking woman she uh, trusted to help her open those stores. Mm. So, yeah. So Yolanda Saldivar was at the top of her list as she had been chosen to manage both of Selena's Texas boutiques due to how well the, the Quintanilla family felt that she managed the fan club. Well. Yeah, and Selena really did need someone trustworthy because her net worth was going through the roof. Uh, Hispanic Business Magazine reported that the singer earned over $5 million from the boutiques alone. She was ranked among the 20th, 20th wealthiest Hispanic musicians who grossed the highest income in 93 and 94. In March 94, Selena released her fourth studio album, Amor Prohibido, Prohibited Love. Love, right, you girl. can't 
love you can't have i wonder where she got the inspiration for that again (laughs) it's a big old middle finger to her dad um the recording debuted at number three in the u.s billboard top latin albums charts and number one on the u.s billboard regional mexican album charts these fucking things are a mouthful by the way yeah so the album remained in the top five for the rest of the year and into early 1995 Amoa Prohibido became the second Tejano album to reach year-end sales of over 500,000 copies, which had previously only been accomplished by the extremely successful and popular Tejano group La Mafia. And so I just want to remind all you Gen Zers out there that back in the day, you couldn't be like, oh, I like this song and download it from Apple Music. That's how not, that's not how that shit worked. It was 94, 95. So it, I mean, it was mostly CDs, but it could have been tapes. You actually had to go down to Sam Goody. Yeah. You don't know what I'm talking about. The warehouse. Remember oh the my warehouse? God. Virgin Megastore. Oh, yeah. Remember that shit? Fuck Blockbuster yeah. music. Oh, my God. Go down there and buy a CD. You had to buy the whole fucking thing. The even whole if thing. you liked one song. And it was like $12.99 if you were lucky. If you were lucky, but not what new albums new albums were 1699 to 1999 for one fucking song how did we live i don't know it's the reason i got a job i got a job so i could buy tory albums because we got five dollars a week in allowance so i got a job because tory amos kept putting out new albums and i was like fuck this i can't save a month (laughs) yeah okay so it became one of the best-selling latin albums in the united states and spawned four number one singles Amoa Prohibido was among the best-selling U.S. albums of 1995 and has been certified 36 times platinum by the RIAA for sales of 2.16 million album equivalent units in the United States. Damn. Uh, Amor Prohibido popularized Tejano music among a younger and wider audience than at any other time in the genre's history. The two singles, Amor Prohibido and No Me Quedo Mas, were the most successful U.S. Latin singles of 94 and 95, respectively. The album's commercial success led to a Grammy nomination for Best Mexican-American Album at the 37th Grammy Grammy Awards in 95, and it won Record of the Year at the 1995 Tejano Music Awards and Regional Mexican Album of the Year at the 95 Lo Nuestro Awards. Selena was named one of Latin music's most successful touring acts during her Amor Prohibido tour, Ladies on Top of the World. So um, Amor Prohibido's release solidified Selena's impact on Latin culture. She was considered bigger than Tejano itself and broke barriers in the Latin music world. Media outlets referred to her as the queen of Tejano music, and Billboard magazine ranked her ranked Amor Prohibido among the most essential Latin recordings of the past 50 years, including it on its list of the top 100 albums of all time. Yeah. But Selena, yeah, I mean, bitch is like 22 at this point, you know? Feeling, feeling a little like I need to get, like I might need to start doing some shit. Look, it's real sad is the thing. <laughs> it's sad for yeah. us. Yeah. Um, but Selena was not content to limit her musical influence to Tejano music, and she was determined to break through the English-speaking music charts. Fortunately, her management agreed, and in late 94, EMI chairman Charles Kopelman decided that Selena had achieved her goals in the Spanish-speaking market and agreed to promote her as an English-language solo pop artist. Selena continued touring while EMI began preparing the crossover album, and they were all in. They knew the talent that they had. So the company engaged Grammy award-winning composers and invested heavily in an album for Selena that they believed would propel her into superstardom. By the time Selena performed to a record-breaking, sold-out concert at the Houston Astrodome in February of 95, work had already begun on her crossover album. In 95, she also made a cameo appearance in Don Juan DeMarco, which starred Marlon Brando, Johnny Depp, and Faye Dunaway. So she was... That uh, that show at the Astro Stadium, though? Yeah. Insane. Like, Like, if you've ever seen footage of it, it's an entire fucking stadium and people were going mad, absolutely mad. And it's packed to the gills, like something you would expect for like the Rolling Stones or some shit. Yeah. I mean, I, the thing is, I didn't know who Selena was before she died because it, it's not the popular style of music that I listened to. Um, and she hadn't done her crossover album yet. It, it would be released posthumously. And I liked it. I mean, this, I probably would have been more into her had she, had she not been murdered, but um, she was the people that were into her were so fucking into her yeah. and not just because she was talented, which she was, but also because she was doing things that no one else was doing. Right. You know, she was looking at 
glass ceilings and just being like, nope, and popping right through them. Just like, fuck that shit, you know, just amazing. Well, well, and I think a lot of people saw themselves in her and felt represented in a way that they had never felt before. Yes, absolutely. I'm sure it was like a shining moment for Tahana women. (laughs) Yeah. Just like, look at what we can do. Um, Like Chicanas. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But so she had this this appearance in a movie. So she's poised perfectly to become a member of the Hollywood elite. Should she choose? She was beautiful, young, charismatic, talented, well-liked and well-connected. So this is where things stand in early 95. It very much looks like Selena is an unstoppable force well on her way to becoming a crossover superstar, the likes of Jennifer Lopez, who would later play her. She definitely took advantage of that opportunity. And then there started to be some issues with her boutiques. As we've discussed, the Quintanilla family, with Selena's approval, had appointed Yolanda Saldivar as manager of Selena's boutiques in early 94. Eight months later, Selena signed uh, Yolanda as her registered agent in San Antonio, which means that she, and by she I mean Yolanda, is legally able to write and cash checks, as well as handle day-to-day business dealings, all in Selena's name. Don't do that, kids. Don't do that. (sighs) Uh, I don't care how much you trust them. Don't is what I'm saying. Don't do that. So Yolanda moved from San Antonio to Corpus Christi to be closer to Selena as she became more closely affiliated with Selena's brand. But there were problems. So in December of 94, the boutiques begin to lose staff at a much higher rate than is normal. And consequently, the quality of service begins to suffer. According to staff members, uh, Yolanda often fired employees she disliked without cause and she didn't hire replacements. Employees at the store who managed to retain their positions regularly complained about Yolanda's behavior to Selena, who dismissed the claims, believing that Yolanda would always only act in her best interest. Since they weren't having any luck with Selena, the staff allegedly began complaining to Abraham, and they warned him about Yolanda's increasingly erratic behavior. Unlike his daughter, Abraham took the claim seriously, and he told Selena to be careful and that Yolanda might not be the person they all thought she was. Selena, however, did not give her dad's warnings a lot of weight, probably because she's 23. Uh, She's determined that nothing is in her way. Um, And after a lifetime of listening to other people, she's kind of like, nah, thanks, but no thanks. Also, possibly because, you know, her dad has this history of being distrustful of people in the past, including her husband. So she's probably just like, you are, this is just what you're like, you know? Um, But by January of 1995, Selena is getting an earful about Yolanda from all sides. Her fashion designer, Martin Gomez, her cousin, Deborah Ramirez, and clients of the boutiques had expressed concerns over Yolanda's behavior as well as her management skills, calling her, and I quote, two-faced and unstable. Mm, Nice. Mm -hmm. So according to Abraham, in January of 95, he began receiving phone calls from fans who said that they had paid for memberships in the Selena fan club and not received the swag they were supposed to get in return. So he began investigating. Lo and behold, a very superficial search revealed that Yolanda had embezzled more than $60,000 in forged checks from both the fan club and the boutiques. This was particularly offensive to the Quintanillas because all profits from the fan club are supposed to go to charity. Additionally, Selena had given Yolanda her American Express card. Again, don't do that for the purpose of conducting company business. But Yolanda had used it to rent Lincoln Town cars, entertain associates in expensive restaurants and buy two cellular telephone cellular telephones, which she carried with her at all times. Abraham (laughs) is not happy about any of this. Mm -hmm. So he calls a meeting with Selena Suzette and Yolanda on the night of March 9th at Q Productions to confront Yolanda about what he had discovered. Wait, remind me who Suzette is? Uh, That would be Selena's sister. Okay. So Abraham presents Yolanda with the inconsistencies about the disappeared funds. And he tells her that if she doesn't provide, you know, some kind of evidence or explanation that disproved his accusations, that he's going to involve the local police. So Yolanda allegedly pulls a full deer in the headlights response. She's not saying very much, but she basically denies any and all allegations of theft, claiming that there must be some kind of conspiracy against her. Oh, Mm -hmm. what does that sound like? Anyone, you know, anyone who was president at one time? Hmm. It sounds like a narcissist. That's for sure. Everything's about you. (laughs) Well, you Uh, couldn't possibly have done any wrong. Absolutely not. As all thousands and thousands of dollars. Absolutely not. 
Um, so when Abraham asked her why fans were not receiving the promised gift packages, Yolanda said that those fans are just trying to get the items for free. Abraham discovers Yolanda has opened the fan club's bank account under her sister's name. This is about to get weird, so stay with me. So mm-hmm. she opened the fan club's bank account under her sister's name. Under Suzette's name. No, under her sister's name, Maria Elida. Yes, the name Maria Elida, which is the name of her sister. When he asked, Abraham's like, why the fuck did you do that? And she says the bank would not allow her to open an account in her name, in Yolanda's name, and she doesn't know why. So he she's like no explanation and then this is at this meeting and then after this after she tells him that she just leaves she's like i can't do it and she you know she just takes off not suspicious at all she's like this is hurtful honestly basically okay so yolanda's name remained on the payroll after this meeting though her termination was pending on the retrieval of records financial records that she had stolen mm. abraham basically he says he fired her on the spot and he banned Yolanda from having any contact with Selena. So Abraham's saying she's fired, but she hasn't been taken off the payroll. Selena, however, is reluctant to immediately dissolve the friendship. She thought that Yolanda was essential to the success of her clothing brand in Mexico. Plus, because Yolanda had been granted the position of registered agent, she had bank records, statements, financial records, absolutely necessary for tax preparation that Selena needed. So she can't just tell her to fuck off is how she feels about it. After the meeting, Abraham discovered that the fan club checks were signed with Maria Elida's signature. This is where it's starting to get weird. And coincidentally, in handwriting, identical to Yolanda's. Mm. He concluded that Yolanda was forging checks using his her sister's name, then cashing the checks and keeping the money for herself. Wait, wait, let me think. Let me think. She's writing checks. Who are the mm-hmm. checks written to? So fan club checks. So they write the fan, the, the fan club, from what I understand, it was $22 because it's 94. So they send $22 mm-hmm. and then uh, you're supposed to send out t-shirts or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So um, instead of just like, they're signing them to you, like to the fan club and she is writing them. She's signing them with Maria Elida's name, which is the name Wait, of this. But isn't, wouldn't she be writing checks? She's not sending checks to no, the no, fans. No, 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 no. The checks are sending fans to her and she's cashing them the instead fans, of using wait, the fans are sending checks to her. She's cashing them. Who's she writing checks to? Because she's writing checks, right? Oh, you mean when she's depositing these checks? Yes. So what she's oh. doing is she's depositing these checks. Uh like, but she's not depositing them. She's cashing them because she has an account with her sister's name. I so see. she's just cashing the checks and then so keeping she, the money. She's endorsing the checks on the mm-hmm. back, using her sister's name yes. into an account in her sister's name. So she's just like, actually, this is all my sister's money. Yes. This is fucking stupid. But it doesn't make any sense because like she first, first, it doesn't make any sense because she has opened the, the, um, the fan club's bank account in her sister's name. So uh, the only reason I can think that she did this is so it doesn't come back to her, quote unquote, but she's admitted that she's done it. So it doesn't make any sense. She says that the bank wouldn't allow her to open a bank account in her name. The only reason I can think for that is that she's done something fucked before at the bank. Right. But I don't know. Anyway. Right. Or she's just a complete fucking idiot. And she was like, then everyone will think my sister did this. Right. Sure. Who knows? <laughs> So when Abraham tried to retrieve the fan club's bank statements, he was told they had, quote, unquote, vanished. He did locate a letter in Yolanda's handwriting stating that Maria Alida had to close the bank account because of a, quote, major problem that was never explained. And according (laughs) to the letter, a member of the fan club named Yvonne Perales was sent to the bank to deposit $3,000, but Perales did not deposit the money and could not be found. The letter stated that Maria Alida, who is actually just Yolanda, just so we're all clear, (laughs) found out about that situation too late and that Perales and the money were both missing. Maria Alida then wrote checks to be cashed by Yolanda, even though the bank account had no funds, which is weird because they're the same person in this context. The letter said that Maria Alida was closing the account for that reason and that the bank would just have to cover the checks which isn't really how banks work in no. my experience. No. So Abraham is having absolutely none of this shit. And he confronts Yolanda about the identity of Yvonne Perales. But Yolanda insists that she know nothing about who Yvonne was or where the money had ended up again. Wait, isn't she the one who named Yvonne in the first place? Yes. She says the money was given to a, a fan member named Yvonne Perales. And By she was whom? like, hey, 
I'm assuming it. She's, I, I couldn't find anything in my research about exactly specifically who gave it, but it sounds what it sounds like she's saying is she gave the money to Yvonne to, to deposit, deposit and Yvonne didn't. Yeah. And, she's and, then, like, he, and then he's like, too bad. So sad. Yeah. And then he's like, who is Yvonne? And she's like, I don't know. A member of the fan club. I just I couldn't tell you much more than that. And I gave her three grand. So I like, don't know. So insane. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so Abraham calls bullshit and he tells her he thinks it's weird that Yolanda did not trust the treasurer of the fan club to deposit the money. But inexplicably, she had handed three grand to a complete stranger to deposit three thousand dollars. Yeah. And um, so he's like, yeah, I'm not buying any of this. He tells Yolanda to, quote, tell that lie to someone else. <laughs> Nice. He concludes that Yvonne Perales does not exist since none of the fan club workers had ever met her or could verify her existence. Like I said, that whole situation is weird, and it's because she lied about 15,000 times. So, okay, before we get into the specific the specifics of the murder, I think it's important to acknowledge that there were a lot of red flags that people saw and brought up. We've discussed some of them when it comes to Yolanda. Uh, but for some reason, they're not taken seriously, probably because Selena was killing it and everything she touched and no one thought anything truly awful could happen to her. So, you know, when people see the fucking full-on shrine that Yolanda had built for Selena in her house, literal candles and altars and pictures and shit. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, yeah, it's not cool. It's not great. Um, but it wasn't taken seriously. Uh, or when her designer, Martin Gomez, um, Selena's designer, tells Selena that after he clashed with Yolanda about the style of the clothing he was making, which was absolutely not Yolanda's job to comment on, and then returned from a work trip to their shared office to discover that the clothing mock-ups he had left behind had been ripped apart, Selena just talked it up to coincidence. <sighs> Who knows what happened? Rats. I don't know. Uh, or when she fired or shit-talked anyone that she felt was getting closer to Selena than she was, people complained, but no one pulled the alarm. It turns out they should have. So in the days before Selena's death, Yolanda gave every excuse under the sun to delay handing over the bank statements and financial records to Selena, who up until that time had still been promising Yolanda that she could be in charge of one of the Mexico boutiques. Yolanda showed up at Selena's recording studio the day after she had been told to cease all contact with Selena, and she was run off by Abraham, who told her that she was no longer welcome. I mean, yeah. Yeah. That same day, Selena and Yolanda argued over the phone, and when Selena hung up, she reportedly told her husband she could no longer trust Yolanda. No one in the Quintanilla family was satisfied with Yolanda's explanation for why the missing bank statements and financial reports, as well as, uh, right, did I say that right? No one in the, in the Quintanilla family was satisfied with Yolanda's explanation uh, for why the bank statements and the financial reports and the money were all missing, basically. Right. So according to Selena's dad, this is when we see the first of four attempts by Yolanda to murder Selena. Oh, so, really? So this is this is what Abraham thinks. So Selena removed Yolanda's name from the boutique's bank account on March 10th, 1995, and she was replaced as the fan club president, which seems fair. Yeah. The, yeah. The next day, Yolanda purchased a gun at the aptly named A Place to Shoot, no. a gun shop and shooting range in San Antonio. She bought a Taurus Model 85 snub-nosed 38 caliber revolver and a 38 caliber hollow point bullets, which were designed to cause more extensive injuries than normal bullets. Damn. And they would. What a um, fucking cunt. Well, she tells the clerk she needs protection in her job as an in-home nurse because a patient's relatives had threatened her because she's a liar, liar, pants on fire. Yeah. Um on March 13th, Yolanda goes to her lawyer and she writes up a resignation, which Abraham believed that she did to try and cover her own ass from allegations of financial impropriety. Good luck, bitch. Yeah. Um, that same day, Yolanda drove to Corpus Christi and she checked into the Sand and Sea Motel. When Selena arrived in Corpus Christi on March 14th, Yolanda reaches out to schedule a meeting. She tells Selena there was too much trap. This, I again, I'm like, Selena, you poor sweet angel baby so she tells selena there's too much traffic where selena is staying and she asks selena to meet her at a parking lot 25 miles away from corpus christi what? which i has like seriously shady fucking vibes all over it but selena does it so sweet baby angel selena agrees and when she arrives she tells yolanda that she's going to remain in charge of her business affairs in mexico According to Abraham, Selena did this because she wanted to continue employing uh, Yolanda until she could find a replacement. I don't. God. I have, 
probably shouldn't do that, but okay. So Yolanda shows Selena the gun that she had bought and Selena, not sensing the danger that she's in, just tells her to get rid of it and that she would protect Yolanda from her father because she's telling Selena she's afraid of Abraham. So Abraham believed this calmed Yolanda down and that's the reason that she didn't kill Selena in the parking lot. Mm. The next day, Yolanda returns the gun to the shop, explaining that her father had given her a 22 caliber pistol. And then on March 26th, Yolanda stole a perfume sample and more bank statements from Selena while they're in Mexico. Wait, you'll wait. What? Yeah. Wait. They so go she... to... Yeah. Explain. I'm it. waiting for questions. Okay. Wait. So what though? So she takes her to Mexico on a trip. A Selena trip. takes her to yeah. fucking Mexico. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I don't approve is all I can say. And while they're there, what does she steal from Selena? A perfume sample and more bank statements from Selena. So um, that's weird. Yes, but I'm going to give it some context. Selena was in the process of creating her own branded perfume. And they had given her several to use and to look at and to see what she thinks about it. Oh, oh, God damn it. Yeah. So Yolanda accompanies Selena on a trip to Tennessee when she finished recording a song for her crossover album. And on this trip, Selena tells Yolanda that the bank statements are missing and point blank asked her to return them as soon as they get back to Texas. So Yolanda repurchased the gun on March 27th. And then she asked Selena to meet her alone at a motel room. When someone you are beefing with asks you to meet them alone at a motel room, don't do it. You guys, come on. So Abraham believes this is her second attempt to kill Selena. News of Selena's arrival spread and she was mobbed by fans at this hotel. And Abraham believes that her fans saved her that day as there would have been too many witnesses. According to him, the third attempt trying of Yolanda trying to kill Selena was during Yolanda's trip to Monterey in the last week of March. The Quintanilla family doctor, Dr. Martinez, received several telephone calls from Yolanda crying hysterically and saying she had been raped on March 29th. It's about to get real weird in here. So the next day, Yolanda calls again, and Dr. Martinez says the call sounded as though someone is trying to snatch the telephone away from her. The doctor sends an employee to her motel room to investigate, but he uh, the employee finds that she had just checked out a few minutes prior. Um, so uh, he they think that she tried to get Selena to go down there to like, I've been raped. You need to come take care of me. Down to the hospital down to Mexico because she's in Mexico. Oh. And Selena was like, you need to come back to the United States. So on March 30th, Yolanda returned from her Monterey trip and checked into a days in motel. She called Selena. And again, she, she knows she's like, I've been raped. Yolanda asked Selena to visit her at the motel room alone. However, her husband, Chris Perez accompanied her. Mm-hmm. Abraham has stated this is oh wait so I'm sorry I'm wrong Abraham has stated I do think there was something in there about how she tried to get um, Selena to go down to Mexico but Selena wouldn't do it and was like just come back she didn't tell her she was raped she told her something horrible happened and Selena was like well come back well you know whatever it is we can fix it when you're here so she asked Yolanda to come to the motel room alone again honestly she asked Selena yes uh-huh. again to come to the motel room alone but Selena doesn't she brings her husband and according to Chris, he waits by his truck as Selena goes alone into Yolanda's motel room. As Chris was driving Selena back to their house after this meeting, Selena noticed that Yolanda had given her the incorrect bank statements. Mm. Meanwhile, Yolanda is paging Selena, remember pagers? Oh. Over and over and over again. And she desperately wants Selena to come back and take her to a hospital that night because she's supposedly bleeding heavily due to her rape. She's like, look, Man, this is this is how they do it. They're like, I don't have to be responsible for this thing because this terrible, terrible thing happened thing. to me. And that's what you need to focus on. Don't look over here. Look over here at this yeah. lie that I'm telling you. And it's it's also one of those things because, I, you know, bad things can happen to bad people. Sure. Like it can happen. They can happen to good people. It can happen to good people. Bad things happen all over the place. So when something you know, allegedly bad happens to someone that I don't like, you know, it's like, I, it doesn't mean that it didn't happen. Sure. Uh, and, but I just, and I hardly ever say this, I don't believe it. No. And, um, and I think it's particularly gross and awful yes. to claim sexual assault 
uh, when you haven't been sexually assaulted. Uh, yeah. I think that I think that there's I mean, people cry, cry wolf on stuff all the time. But I think that's one of those ones that like, nope, you can't do that. You just can't do that straight up. Um, yeah. So Abraham believes Yolanda is trying to get Selena to return to the motel alone. That feels like a safe bet. But Chris tells Selena that it's too late and he doesn't want her to go out alone. Unbeknownst to Chris, Selena agrees to meet um, Yolanda the next morning. Mm. So on March 30th, 1995, Selena contacts an associate about the perfume samples he had made for her. And he and she told this associate she would be, be meeting Yolanda the next morning to pick up the samples that had been stolen from her. The next day, she told another employee at the boutique that she was planning on firing Yolanda at this meeting. And that employee is so concerned. The employee followed Selena to her home that night to make sure she got home safely. Mm. So everyone around her, she's the only one not on high alert is what I'm saying. Yeah. At 7.30 a.m. on March 31st, Selena left for Yolanda's motel room. And at the motel, Yolanda again told Selena that she had been raped in Mexico. So Selena took her to Doctors Regional Hospital, where medical staff noticed that Yolanda was showing, quote, clear symptoms of depression. That's fair. So Yolanda told medical staff she had bled, quote, a little from the attack. And the medical staff noticed Selena responded angrily to that admission because Yolanda had told her she had bled copiously the day before. Yeah. Yeah. So a nurse told Yolanda she needed to travel to San Antonio to get a gynecological examination because Yolanda was a resident of Mexico. The hospital was in Corpus Christi and the rape occurred outside the country, which admittedly is a jurisdictional nightmare. And I don't actually believe that this rape occurred, but I kind of feel like maybe we should just let the alleged rape victim get an exam wherever she happens to be. Um, In this case, maybe they didn't believe her either. I don't know. So while driving back to the motel, Selena tells Yolanda that it would be best if they stayed apart for a while to avoid upsetting her dad. According to Dr. Martinez, Selena had tried to contact him that morning, but he was in surgery, so he couldn't talk to her. And I'm not sure what he would have said if he had spoken to her, but he might have warned her to stay the fuck away from Yolanda. Um, At 10 a.m., Abraham calls Chris to find out where the fuck Selena is because she was supposed to record a song at Q Productions that morning and she's late. So Chris calls Selena on her cell and reminds her of the scheduled recording, which she had forgotten about. And she tells him that she is, quote, taking care of one last item of business and that she would be at Q production shortly. <sighs> this is the last time that Chris speaks with his wife. And she's not telling anybody what she's doing because she knows they will not approve. <sighs> so at the motel room, Selena and Yolanda argued. Motel guests complained about loud noises coming from Yolanda's room. After the shooting, they tell police that they heard them arguing about business matters. Selena tells Yolanda that she could no longer be trusted and demanded Yolanda return her financial papers. According to police records, Selena then dumped Yolanda's satchel containing bank statements onto the bed, and that's when she saw the gun. At 11.48 a.m., Yolanda pointed the gun at Selena, and as Selena tries to flee, Yolanda shot her once on the lower right shoulder, puncturing an artery and causing massive blood loss. The hotel's maintenance man reported hearing a loud bang, which he said sounded like a car engine misfiring, which is why I say if you think you hear a car engine misfiring, fucking call someone because it might not be a car engine misfiring. So real. Selena was critically wounded, but she managed to run to the lobby, leaving a trail of blood 392 feet long. No. She's seen clutching her chest and screaming, help me, help me. I've been shot. Yolanda reportedly, this is what staff says. Uh, is still seen chasing after her, pointing the gun at her and calling her a bitch. My God. According to motel staff, Yolanda Yolanda seemed calm and went back to her room after chasing Selena to the lobby. According to Carlos Morales, who was waiting outside the hotel, I think he's a a guest, he heard screaming and he saw Selena running towards him. She grabbed Morales and screamed, they'll shoot me again. Motel staff saw her clothes were soaked in blood when she approached the lobby. Selena collapsed on the floor at 11.49 a.m. as the hotel general manager called 911. She screamed at the staff, telling them, lock the door, she'll shoot me again. The singer identified Yolanda as the shooter and gave the number of the room where she had been shot. She was mortally wounded and terrified when she identified Yolanda. Her last words were, Yolanda, room 158. Hotel staff tried to stop the flow of blood and Selena's condition began to deteriorate rapidly as as motel staff attended to her. One staff member tried to talk to Selena as she was beginning to lose consciousness. He said her moaning and motion decreased as time went on. 
eventually he noticed Lena's eyes had rolled back in her head and that she'd gone limp. And I think <sighs> we'll stop there. Uh, awful. I hate it so much. So very much. <sighs> um, and so I'll talk more about this later, but um, I didn't know this. Doing these kind of, when I do research on this shit, you find out a lot of stuff that you're like, huh. Um, they, there was a, later on, there would be a huge, um, people started saying it wasn't true. It was a conspiracy. Against Yolanda. They, no, yes, maybe. But like, she wasn't dead and that she was trying to figure disappearance. It was a, it was like for publicity or whatever. Because of that, her family allowed it to be an open casket funeral where everyone could view her. Mm. Um, and they said no phones. People didn't do that. So you can find pictures of her and her casket all over the internet um wait and... there were cell phones back then with with cameras i well there were cameras oh, they I said see. no phones or cameras but people you know didn't do that so um and uh if you didn't know what had happened to her you she looked stunning she looked asleep you know <sighs> she looked gorgeous um but yeah it was and the thing is and i'll talk more about this when we get into it there was no saving her from the minute she was shot. She could have been shot in a hospital and she probably still would have died. Oh my. Yeah. Yeah. It's just where she was shot was. It was, a. It, I mean, it was directly, it was a blood source straight to her heart. There was not much that could have been done. Oh my God. I'm looking at the casket photos. Oh my God. Yeah. Do you see the little curl? Yes. That remember the style? Yes. The 90s oh. style. Stunningly beautiful. Uh, and she just looks asleep. She j she looks like a princess mm -hmm. who ate the Snow poison White. apple. And yeah. oh my God, what a heartbreak. Fuck. Yeah. Nothing makes me angrier than like this personality. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but this personality type, this compulsive liar, narcissist, uh, I'm actually the victim. Do you want to be madder? You know, I mean, yeah. some, tell you something's going to make oh you matter. So after this is all said and done, and you know, we all know she shot her. She went to jail for it. I'll I'll get into the particulars later. She does a um, but she she claims that it was an accident, and she does an interview where she says her conscience is clear, of course, and she regrets nothing. It wasn't what you know what conscience? She doesn't have a conscience. She was like, I didn't. She was like, I didn't murder Selena. Uh, my conscience is clear, and and um. And then, of course, because, uh, you know, media people are who they are, they're like, so this is what Yolanda Salivar says. You know, how do you feel about that to her dad, of all people? And her dad, who I think probably had to grow a lot, whether he wanted to or not through this experience, just like takes this deep breath. And he's like, well, I don't know what to say about that. Besides, if I had killed someone, whether it was an accident or not, my conscience would never be clear again. Totally. And I think it takes a certain kind of sociopath to just be like, it was an accident. I didn't mean to. Never mind. Like, Get over whatever. it, you guys. Yeah. 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 But that was essentially what she landed on was like, I made a mistake, but I didn't mean to. So why are you all so mad at me? Just let me out of here. Okay. Well, you know that her, I mean, um, she wasn't given the death penalty. People, there were a lot of people who were like, why not? Uh, but she is eligible for parole in 2025. She'll never fucking get it. Not in Texas. I'd be real surprised. First of all, she'll never get it. Even if she did get it, there would be a firing squad waiting for her. I mean, well, I'll talk about this later, too. But like when she went in, uh, she <laughs> she was given $500,000 bond, which is a lot even now, but was even more in 95. And the Mexican mafia um, tried to get the money together uh, because they were like, let her out. We just want to talk. <laughs> We just want five minutes with her. We that's just all. want we just want to talk is all. So why don't we just get this money together and we'll pay your bond? No problem. Yeah. We yeah. have five hundred thousand dollars. Cocaine ain't cheap. Come on, let's do this. I'm like, let's have a the cartel was like, we just want to have a little conversation oh about some things. Why didn't it work? Well, probably because she was <laughs> not gonna take that. Like she knew exactly what was gonna happen if the Mexican yeah. cartel paid to get her out. Suddenly yeah. she God. Suddenly, suddenly she's scared. Yeah. I just wow. Okay. Well, okay, before I forget, 
Um, you can find us on Insta at sign of the crime pod, and you can email us at sign of the crime podcast at Gmail. Uh, if we, if we fucked anything up in this story, which at some point I'm sure we did. Oh God. <laughs> I mean so much. Yeah. We probably I missed like, like eight oh, things. God, so many things. <laughs> yeah. But you know, if you, if you know what we're saying, that's really the point. And just pronounce it to yourself correctly in your head. And if like, you don't, Katana's if like, you don't, don't know what we're saying, then no harm, no foul. She's like, don't come at me with your corrections. I'm not interested. I am not interested. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me right now? I don't care. You know, well, I do care in a sense. Like I care about people's names. You know, I don't want to fuck up anyone's names, particularly if you are a minority, because that happens to you all the time. I know that my name is Quintana. Do you have any idea what I've been through? Like, come on now. So um, I get that. I try to say people's names correctly. And when when we're referring to Selena's art, I would like to get that as as good as I can. But I, there are limitations. OK, like I don't speak Spanish fluently. I'm never going to say it quite the way it should be said. And that's sure. just the way it is. Sure. And I'm and I'm OK with that. I love myself as I am. Hey, we love ourselves over here. That's you know? what we're doing. Self-love. You can't take that from us just because we missed out some shit. No, we've got resolution. Fort wine. Yeah. Hey. It's almost my birthday. Fuck off. Oh my God. And it's your angel birthday. Hey. And it's my angel birthday. And the year when Pluto is getting out of my fucking sun sign. Nothing can go wrong. Oh. She said, knocking on wood. <laughs> Not tempting that today. I'm just kidding. Obviously, things can go wrong. Please don't consider that a challenge, universe. <laughs> yeah, really. Just let it go. Just pretend just, you didn't hear that. Yeah, just pretend you were sleeping today. Thank you so much. <laughs> really would appreciate that. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. It really does help us. And I'm going to go to dance class. I love you. I love you too. Okay, bye. Bye.